This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. My guest today is a former athlete of mine at Long Beach State, Stephanie Sampson. We talk about becoming nationally ranked at track, fighting off injuries in college, staying in sports, heartbreak, and finding an airport. Early on in this position, I was in, I was actually in Belgium, and I was on vacation. Oh, to be back on vacation. <laughs> but I drove past a Bombardier factory. Um, Bombardier is building our train cars, and I got so excited. And I was like, Bombardier, <laughs> our project. And now I find myself looking at cranes as I'm driving down the freeway. Here, I saw some cranes, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're putting the seventh crane in, a tower crane at our rental car site this week. And like, I'm so excited, because we're gonna have this really cool photo to highlight on social media. It's like, oh, I used to remember stats about how many touchdowns someone has or what's their furthest PR. And now I'm remembering stats on, you know, how much concrete is poured. And it's like, how different is this? But I love it. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. We've had such guests who have been awarded the Silver Star, won the Emmy, and Cal State Fullerton men's basketball coach, Dietrich Taylor. So I'm sitting there, my suit and tie, and his secretary says, hey, coach, you know, he's running a little bit late. Please forgive him. And she's looking at her watch. And, you know, she tells me that the president of Tanzania is in meeting with this guy. And I tell her, I said, well, he doesn't have to see me, you know, like the president of Tanzania. I'm just a basketball coach. He does. I'm assistant, by the way. He doesn't have to see me. He doesn't need. She was like, oh, coach, no, no, no problem. No, no, no. I'm just he a resident of yeah, Arizona. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a big guy. I'm a normal dude. Little did I know, man. It, it, it was crazy. And it was, it was, it was crazy. That, that whole experience was crazy. But that was probably a point that I'll never forget. Like, and I'm telling this, this, this nice lady who's telling me to, the president of Tanzania is in the in their meeting with the with the president basically, and right. he's going to be a couple minutes late. I'm, take your time. Take your I'll time. Go down and get, yeah. get coffee. You're like you want one? You know. Go to chessgoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into our conversation with Stephanie Sampson. Stephanie. How in the hell are you? I am good. It's good to see you after so many years. This is great to see you. How long has it been? Oh, man. I don't even know. Long. Too long. (laughs) Ten years? Maybe longer? Yeah. I'm sure I saw you at games somewhere. Probably something Big West. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay, so full disclosure, you were one of my athletes at Long Beach State. I was. We won't say how long ago. (laughs) So long ago. You haven't changed, and I had no gray hair. (laughs) I have some gray hair now. So it hides. It hides. Still look like you still look like you can get out there in the circle and sling it. Thank you. Thank you. I can't though. No. I would probably hurt myself. The arm come off or the uh, hip the fall back off. might dislocate the, <laughs> the knee, the pick a pick a, a body part, I'll probably jack it up somehow. When was the last time you threw something metal? Oh man, probably when I was back working at UCLA, so. Fooling around? Uh, probably, yeah, at track practice. I can test that just <laughs> Like, let me throw that shot put, and oh, that kind of hurt. So probably, <laughs> that was, I hurt. left there in 2012, so at least. Oh my goodness. Oh, you know, yeah. a good 10 years or so. Yeah, don't do that anymore. No, no. <laughs> Watch from the stands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Watch that chick from New Zealand just throw rocks like it's no problem. Yeah, yeah, I'll let, I'll let the professionals do it. Yeah. So tell me, because I I only know you as you started as a young, sweet girl at 18 at Long Beach State. (laughs) Where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Orange County, Yorba Linda. Oh, yep. my neck of the woods. Yep, yep. Went to Esperanza High School. Aztec. Uh, I'm an Aztec. Yay. Yeah. Had I grown up there now, I would have gone to Yorba Linda High School. Yeah, so you went to Esperanza when it was a massive school. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like the only school out there. The only one. The only one. There was tons of people in our yeah, class. you almost had like 3,000 students. That place was... Uh, Literally a small college. Yeah, I think my graduating class had 900 or so. Jesus. 900, 800, something like that. Wow. I think. It was so long ago. <laughs> it's hard to remember. <laughs> there were horses on campus. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I Orange did. County? Uh, mm, yes and no. I mean, um, I didn't live up in the hills. So back when that show Orange <laughs> County came out and then the Real Housewives of Orange County came out, everyone's like, oh, you're from Orange County. No, I didn't live in the hills. We were middle class. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have horses. <laughs> we didn't have horses. No Ferraris, you know, just Because everybody in Orange County has horses and Ferraris. Yeah, pretty much. It looks like it on yeah, TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, we were middle class. You know, what do you think people in Kansas think when they watch that show? And they've got to be like, oh, it's so spectacular. It's so fancy. Yeah, Everyone's so fancy. just so put together yeah. and fancy. No, that just lips and hair and just must be gorgeous. <laughs> lots of Botox. Yeah, lots of Botox. <laughs> they probably don't even know what that is in Kansas. And they, you know, come out here and they're like, this sucks. Yeah. Stanton? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not where they film that show. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> did, uh, so did you find track and field early? I did. I um, actually grew up playing soccer and okay. played um, through my freshman year of high school. Uh, but I was uh, not that great at it. Okay. And um, in eighth grade, we had a track meet, uh, like a district track meet. And someone's like, try the shot put. So Wait a minute. So you, someone just pointed out, hey, here. Yeah. I don't even remember how it happened, but I just remember they had me throw the shot put and I did okay. And then in high school, um, when I was playing soccer, I don't even remember how I ended up on the track team, but I ended up on varsity as a freshman and, um, coach Pendleton, who was my track coach, he was a defensive oh, yeah, yeah, line yeah, coach, yes, yes. English teacher. Um, he was the head throws coach. <clears throat> He, I guess, saw something in me and was like, hey, you know, there's a, a local community college, not so local, Glendora, okay. um, and uh, the coach there teaches hammer throw, and I think you might be good at it. So around, I think, once I started driving, which was, I don't know, sophomore year of high school, I would go out there twice a week to Glendora and train. That's a good yeah, drive for yeah, a young yeah, girl to drive yeah. to Glendora. Yeah, I would train twice a week out at Glendora with other high school kids. After school. So you're... Mm-hmm. And this is pre-MAP, so you had to know how to get there, right? <laughs> yeah, I had a Tom's Guide thanks yeah. to my dad, um, which I never opened. <laughs> <laughs> how did you find it? I think I had, like, written directions or something. MapQuest? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Probably MapQuest. And I would drive out there and train with other high school kids. Um, and then I would go compete at with college the hammer, meets. Though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, because that's the dangerous one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside it's, of catching a javelin. Like, for, yeah. did you take to it? Yeah, you know, it's a lot of technique, but I, I was doing pretty well in it. I would go compete at uh, college meets, including at Long Beach State, where no, I ended up. it's definitely not girly. 
No. <laughs> to be like, I'm throwing the hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like the girly stuff is obviously like the sprinters with yes. nails. And, yes. You know, they look like divas out there. Oh, her, but we wore our makeup. Right. Don't worry. We wore yes, makeup. But, but none of them had to carry bags of steel yeah, around. That's true. That's true. So you took to it. You were fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've got the gloves, mm -hmm. like you're welding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One glove on the, the left hand for me because I'm a righty. And then you had spinning shoes, the shoes you wore. And that was it. That's your equipment. The hammer. Chalk? Um, well, when you shot put? Not, not really. So chalk just... when you shot put, yeah. Okay. And discus, but um, I started just really excelling in hammer, and um, I started getting recruited um, at colleges across the country. Wow. Yeah, so I would compete in the, the open meets at, uh, like, Long Beach State or other schools that had it, and then um, just ended up getting scholarship offers. Now, what are mom and dad thinking at this point? I mean, they loved it. I'm sure they enjoyed spending their whole Saturday at a track meet. That's another for thing, For many, right? many yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> because if you still had played soccer, they might have spent their Saturdays watching yeah. you play for two hours. Right. Or a double header. So right. Right? In the morning, you go to lunch, Chick-fil-A, then you go to... Mm -hmm. Now it's like you watch maybe throw six times. Maybe if you make the finals. Right. Correct. And that might take you, how long do you think you're in that circle for? All of 15 to 20 seconds? If that, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they watch you for maybe a combined of <laughs> 20. A minute. A minute. Minute 50? Yeah. 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 It's a long day. <laughs> for a minute 50. And we would travel. We went to Pocatello, Idaho, my parents and I, to go. Yeah, we competed. Um, I yeah, com we. I competed um, at indoor track meets as well with the 20-pound weight throw, which is the same thing as hammer, but indoors. Right. And so I would go compete in Pocatello, Idaho at the Simplot Games. And then I would. As a high schooler. As a high schooler, yeah. You pay the entry fee. Sure, but still. Um, and then I would compete at Junior Nationals and um, just all the meets I could go to. And it, you know, I was nationally ranked in high school, so that helped get me recruited. How high did you get? Um, I think I was top 10, probably. Wow. I don't have to go back and look. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, I, I loved it, and uh, it gave me the opportunity to pay for two degrees. And now, did you start to feel strong? Yeah, although in high school I did hurt my back for the first time. I, throwing? Um, throwing hammer because I was still learning it, and so I uh, actually when you disc, not disc bulges. Or? I have three oh. disc bulges since high school. And I remember I they were talking about giving me an epidural to help with the pain. And they're like, but if you do that, you're not going to feel pain in the future and injuries. I'm like, yeah, I'll just rehab. <laughs> so I did rehab and I got better. Uh, but I still have like the after effects. This, you know, how many years later? We're not going to say right. how many years. Two but or three years later. Yeah, just a few years later. Still have, just still have the back problems. Now, were mom and dad athletes? Uh, not so much. I mean, my mom in high school, but nothing. Not like Misty May's mom. No, like, no. Total stud. No. You come from stud. Exactly. No, no. How about brothers? Uh, he wasn't that into sports, but so you became the I was the, the jock. sports yeah. jock in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did they understand like what you were doing? Yeah, I think so. Because when you come home and you tell your mom, I'm, I'm throwing the hammer, she's like, and a screwdriver? Yeah. And well, uh, they would come watch, so right, they'd but, see it. But if you yeah. say, it, it, it's, the one, it's the one thing in track where you say, I'm throwing the hammer. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. So if you <laughs> explain to a complete non-foreigner to sport, like, soccer doesn't throw away, like, anvils. <laughs> no, no. Basket doesn't, ball doesn't throw away, like... It, so when you explain to mom I'm throwing a hammer, she said, 
And what is that? Yeah. yeah well, it's a shop, <laughs> but essentially on a wire with a handle. Think medieval. Right. <laughs> Scottish like, oh, Island Games. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to medieval times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you enjoyed just hucking steel. I did. I did. Especially the further it went. <laughs> Was it a bit of a drug? Because like all of a sudden, like soccer, you can be like lost out on that yeah. field. You know, you're waiting, especially if you don't play. But now track, you're on your own. Yeah. There's no one to blame. True. There's no one to pass, no one to kick. It's all you, mm-hmm. right? All the training goes up to this moment. You got to set yourself right. It's all technique and spin and hit the right angle and launch. And that clicked for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some days it didn't uh, and I would get frustrated. <laughs> but the one thing was, is, you know, soccer is a team sport. Track is both a team sport and an individual sport. Yes. So I was always uh, probably a little more focused on what I was doing because I would definitely make sure I got the points we needed. Um, but it was really, how far can I throw it? Can I improve every time I go out there? And does it really, I can't rely on the team to help me with that. So right. the, the pressure, yeah, is on yourself to do it. The high jumpers in no way are helping you. Yeah, not at all. Now you Unless they're them. cheering. <laughs> <laughs> they might cheer and clap. But it's like okay, that. so let's discuss that because you're my first track athlete I've had on the podcast. Does the clapping really make you... Amped up? Yeah, focused, especially when you... They start the big slow clap and then... You know, what's funny is I don't remember them doing that for Hammer. I know shot put, it was a big thing. Um, I think that was more after my time, too, that you started seeing the, the big crowds to cheer right. on the shot putters. Pole vault, pole vault or something. Yeah, or, or yeah something, the, the jumps for sure. But I think that the shot put is the one that really came in to have that giant long clap and build up. Um, hammer to me, it's like I'd rather have it quiet because I have to focus on right. my turns and hitting the finish. Right, where your feet are and then mm-hmm. go. So when you're sitting there in that circle, what are you thinking? When it's just you, you guys walk in from the rear, what are you thinking? Uh, I really like hit the technique, you know. You visualize before you go in there and you just try to recreate what you just visualized. It's been so long that I have to try to think of what I used to think about. It was mainly like get it in bounds, like make sure you throw it in bounds. Right. And just try and throw it as far as you can. That's it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever work with a sports uh, Psychologist? Yeah, like like Ken Revise or anything? Uh, Kevin's for Duke okay. um, at Long Beach State. He would work with a lot of the athletes. And so and I actually was in his class, too, um, one of my years at Long Beach State. So I'd meet with him because there was definitely a time during my senior year, or not my senior year, my last year competing because I was a fifth year, that I uh, was a little overwhelmed by everything going on because I was interning. I was in grad school. I was working somewhere. I was doing other things. Um, and I had a lot on my plate and I just wasn't feeling the same drive to compete. And uh, I have been dealing with injuries and I was kind of over it, but he kind of helped me find that love of it again to finish out the career. Cause you know, you didn't want to leave it. Right. That's a lot, too. Yeah, that's a lot. I right. had a lot going on. Because you did, you did indoor season, too, right? Mm-hmm. See, there's some... That's the only... Track is the only sport. Well, I guess volleyball now for yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. Where they had beach and... But track was rare back then. They had two seasons. Correct. But they were two different ish sports yes you're shorter ham- distances yeah. yeah different implements yeah definitely was um a lot it was all just back to back to back right of course it was who needs a break right you're 18. No break. there's no break anyway <laughs> in the off season you're, so you're, you yeah off season you're training too so there's really no break for college athletes so your senior year how did it go 
It in did, high school. Oh, in high school. Um, it went well. You know, I, w- I went to CIF and shot in discus. Um, I didn't make it to state ever. Did but, you have a rival? Uh, in high school? Yeah, I guess you could say, yeah, uh, Carrie Soong, who um, competed at uh, JW North. Okay. She was also a hammer thrower who was learning it. Um, she ended up going to UCLA, and um, I went to Long Beach State. And we would see each other at meets. And we actually roomed together at um, the Olympic Training Center, had an elite throws camp. And, Chula Vista? Uh-huh. Okay. So we trained together. We, lit, we were roommates at the camp and became pretty close there. And then throughout college, obviously, we would always be at each other's meets and see each other. And she totally kicked my ass. Right. I mean, she went to the Olympic trials. I did not. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She's an All-American. I was not an All-American. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't notice that with um, throwers, mm-hmm. that you guys are tight with each other. Yeah. Like, because you guys... Most likely, I'll play or participate in the three sports, mm-hmm. right? Or the three discus, hammer, shot. Mm-hmm. And you guys, all your, all your gears all lumped around. Your eyes are all hiding in the shade. Yes. Very few does the relay team or the long jumpers come over and hang out with you right. guys. So it's just girls hanging out. Yeah. yeah. Talking about spinning Whatever. shoes. And <laughs> dis- I can't believe I got a course after this. So were you guys, did you feel that tightness? Yeah. I mean, definitely with other, other uh, throwers from other schools, because you're all sitting there for hours on end waiting for your <laughs> turn to throw. Cause you'd go to track meets and you know, there's 60 throwers and flights of 12. So 12 at a time, but you have to warm up and then you three throws and then you have to wait and whoever makes the finals and you warm up again. So you all are sitting around just hanging out. And so, yeah, you definitely get to know a lot of people. I remember um, UC Riverside, one of the girls there who I, I beat um, at conference <laughs> each year. Um, I got her. I made the, I, don't ask me why, but I decided to run a half marathon in um, like 10 years ago. I don't know why. I can't run anymore, but it was the one time thing. And um, before the race, I ran into the thrower from UC Riverside randomly in front of Staples Center. I was like... I haven't seen you since college. Oh my God, you're running a half marathon. I'm like, we're throwers running right. a half marathon. <laughs> we're not designed no, for we're this. we're not built for this. And um, I just remember passing her on mile 13 or no, mile like 10 or 11. And um, I was like, hee hee, I'm ahead of her. <laughs> just like in college. And then when I went and looked up the results later on, I definitely beat her. So I was like, tradition gotcha. continues. Yeah. <laughs> Take that bulging disc. <laughs> exactly. I, I can't. It's, do you still have that competitiveness? Yes. Oh, yes. I don't think it will ever leave. When did it start with you? When did, did, Were you born very competitive or was it something kind of built up? I think I was born competitive. I mean, me and my brother would fight, you know, over the remote control and Is the he TV. Younger or older? No, he's older. He's, he's a couple years older. But I just remember fighting with him over things in the house. I wanted to control the TV. I want to be the one who's doing it. And so we would wrestle over the TV control. Um, but I think I've always just wanted to excel and just, you know, always compete at everything I do and that athlete mentality just continues on to this day. Did, do you think that competitiveness was an edge for you? Because some girls just do the sport to do the sport and you don't have that competitive fire. Yeah, I don't know why you would do it if you didn't want to compete. I mean, I, I wanted to win every time I went out there. I wanted to throw a personal best every time I went out there. If I didn't want to do that, there was no point to it. And that's why that last year competing, I was like... I don't really know that I want to do this. Like, I don't feel it, but I was able to get it back and, and finish out the year. But. Right. How did you find Long Beach State or decide upon Long Beach State? 
Um, I uh, was recruited by them, and um, I actually was on track to go to Illinois, um, but they did not offer a large enough scholarship, and it was out-of-state tuition. So, you know, financially, my parents couldn't have that burden. And that could have been huge. Yeah, it was huge. Four or five years of Stephanie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I... um, committed to Long Beach State. I signed the letter there. Um, and then Illinois came back and they're like, we're going to give you an 80% ride. And I was like, oh, oh, this is awesome. And when I went back to Why Long now? Well, what, what, what was... I think someone probably ended up not going there. And so the scholarship money opened became up. became available. Which was fine. I was fine with that. Um, and then I went to Long Beach State and I was like, I need out of my letter. And they're like, no. Uh, you would lose a year of eligibility because you signed your letter of intent, which I found out later wasn't exactly true because I hadn't enrolled. It's okay. It worked out in the end because um, I just remember... Seems like a pattern with yeah. Long Beach State, but we'll get <laughs> yeah. down that road later. Yeah. I just remember... I wanted to go away to school. Don't ask me why I wanted to go away to school. But that's okay. Yeah. yeah. But then when I was at Long Beach State, I literally came home every weekend my first year there. And I got hurt my first year. I had to have knee surgery. I had my back issues. And I literally was like, I'm coming home every weekend. Thank God I'm not like in the Midwest somewhere. So you far were living away. on campus or on? I was on campus, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I would go home every weekend. Now, why did you choose to live on campus and not live from home and just make that commute in? Uh, because my parents wanted me to have the, the college experience. Okay, so they. <laughs> yeah, you out. They, they, they had, you know, that financially we were, we were okay because I had a scholarship. Right. Um, and that opportunity to live on campus made it easier, especially long days of training and stuff was like that. Was your brother already out of the house? Uh, no, he went to Cal State Fullerton, so he was home oh, for most so of college. So they couldn't really get everybody out of the house. No. <laughs> but one was. But then I really wasn't out of the house because <laughs> I kept coming home. And I still come home as I'm come, going home after this. <laughs> now, what drew you to Long Beach, not Riverside, San Diego, or was it just the scholarship? Um, Long Beach State at the time, I wanted to major in exercise science and be a physical therapist. Okay. And so they had a really great program. Um, and the track team, you know, I, I got along with the throws coach and it was still close to home. My parents could come see me compete. Um, and I just decided that it would be the best of what was offered. Northridge was looking at me, but I just decided I didn't want to go there. Um, at one point, Syracuse offered me a full ride, but wow. I had heard bad things about the coach there, and so I decided to stay away. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just... Was there a lot of that amongst the throwers? Like, oh, this coach, yeah, he's yeah, an idiot. Or yeah. this you, girl, could, you would hear it, definitely, because people would be on recruiting trips, or you just hear just stories from athletes that had already been there about what they were like. How many coaches were women back then? Or was it very male-dominated? Because I'm thinking about it. I think more male. Yeah, when I was thinking about it for my research for you, I was like, God, now that I think about it, I don't remember the last time then. There's a couple now that I remember women talking to women that were throwers. Yeah, yeah, I I don't recall that many at the time. So you, what, you were dealing most of your life with male coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a female coach? No. Maybe soccer. Maybe my freshman year of soccer okay. at Esperanza. But aside from that, never had a women's coach. I worked with women's coaches at UCLA. Okay. But um, I personally was never coached before. Right. Do you ever think that would have been a difference? Or did you 
they never come up like in your head like, oh God, I wish I no. could talk to a, a woman about this. No, I don't think so. I mean, there were people you could go talk to that you find mentors in other ways, whether they're your coach or not. So I think that wasn't something right. that I thought about. Because the coaches don't cross-pollinate. Like, you don't get the sprinter coach to come over and talk to you about, you know, your footwork, because you have no idea. I'm, no. Still, I'm doing circles. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to the left all the time. Spin, spin, spin. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So... You get to Long Beach State, and you, like you said, you already had a kind of a career path on what you wanted to do. Is that early on, like at the end of your high school, you're like, I want to do this? Yeah. yeah, I wanted to be a physical therapist because I had been through so much physical therapy um, with that injuries. Your, uh, yeah, like definitely. Like a gateway into. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that they were helping people recover from injuries and, and get back to normal life. And I had gone through so much physical therapy. And then I started going through the classes, and then... I've kept finding out how much harder it was to get into the exercise science program at Long Beach State. And then I started just kind of be like, well, I don't know that I want to be a therapist. So let me see what else is out there. So I switched my major to... Uh, Your freshman year? Uh, after or my freshman after, year, okay. sophomore year. Switched it to, I think it was like business marketing or something. Okay. Um, and for the first time in my entire life, I almost failed a class, um, which was intro to business. <laughs> <laughs> Which pretty much told you everything you need to know. Like, that put the brakes on it immediately. Pretty, okay, yeah. so why did you decide to? Ch what said to you? Hmm, this is marketing. I think it was broad. It kind of was like, oh, okay, marketing. You can do that in sports. So it's like, well, maybe I want to. I want to stay in sports. So okay, marketing. That's something that that makes sense. And okay, so it's kind of generic. I, I could do that. And I had to take economics and calculus and then intro to business. And calculus, I got an A in. I had never got an A in math in my life, I don't think. So I totally kicked ass there. But Why then did calculus work? I, I don't know. Maybe it was a teacher. I just really got it. I don't know. Oh, and then, it's always the right teacher. Yeah, in economics, like I was getting like a C in. And then business, it was like, you have a D minus. Like, <laughs> I can't have a D minus. I can't have a D. And somehow I pulled out a C. And then, but in the course of that, I'm like, this is not for me. What else can I do? And so. Smart girl. New. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what else is there? What's good? And so the, the academic advisors at Long Beach State were great. And um, we talked about communications. Like, it's very broad. You know, if you like to talk or, or you, you communicate with anybody, like, you need to have these skills. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And so I switched to uh, communication studies uh, with a minor in interpersonal organization communications, I think. What the hell does that I, I will say there are a lot of athletes in that major, um, and it was great. I okay. loved it. I like you get to just give speeches or you know study rhetoric and stuff like that. So for me, it was great. I, Were you a good public speaker or at least yeah. a good communicator? Yeah, I, th I thought I was. <laughs> well, no, because you know this. Like they say this, most people would rather stand naked in front of fifteen hundred people than give a speech in yeah. front of fifteen hundred people. No, I was totally comfortable talking in front of people. Right. Some people just can't talk. Yeah, yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. You have, and you have to be able to, yeah, you know be engaging and, and not just talk like you're reading the story. You have to animate yourself. And so I, I loved it. And, and in the course of that, I redshirted one year because I had to have shoulder surgery. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And so I knew I would have, I would graduate in four years. So despite changing my major three times, I still was graduating in four years and needed something for the fifth year. And so... 
During when I changed to communications, I actually started interning at the Big West Conference uh, within the Long Beach State Sports Information Office, the LA Avengers Marketing and Community Relations Office. It's and, Arena Football. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing like all these sports marketing outreach communications type internships. So I was like, let me stay in sports, and the sports management degree made sense. Did you find good mentors or good? people to actually help drive you to be like, oh, this is, I like this. Whether it was in the, with the Avengers or the Big West or. Yeah, I mean, everybody I worked with from the staff at Long Beach State in the Sports Info Office to, um, you know, Mike Villamore at the Big West. Like everyone took me under their wing and really was like, what do you want to do? <laughs> I don't know, I, I'm new to this, so let's just try it all. <laughs> My shoulder hurts. Yeah, I'm like I can't do anything. Just let me write a story or let me do stats or something. So I definitely, along the way, um, leaned into finding people who could provide guidance or give me opportunity, which I think that's the one thing that you have to ask for the opportunity. And I've never been shy about wanting to do more in something. And so if I wanted to do more with the Big West basketball tournament, I'd ask, okay, give me a responsibility. Will you do that? Were you a, a newspaper hound? Like, did you read the newspaper or did you read up on stuff? So kind of... If you had to write a story, you kind of understood the principles of AP style writing or how to write a... <laughs> Not so much on the writing. I wouldn't say I was the best writer, but I think like the research I would do um, would help. And I knew sports. I mean, I knew sports, so that right. helped obviously a lot. Um, but the one thing that like really was an opportunity was um, learning the like graphic design programs. Okay. Back in the PageMaker oh, and Cork yeah. days, <laughs> they, you know um, Neil Adler and Steve Janish, who who ran Sports Info, were like, "Here, help create a media guide." I'm like, I don't know this program, so I basically taught myself. This is pre YouTube. This so you is pre YouTube. Yeah, you yeah with help it. from you know Neil and and Steve, how to create. Uh, you know, media guides and files like that. And so that was kind of like, here, run with it. <laughs> okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but we'll try it. Can't be worse than what you guys right? are doing. <laughs> exactly. yeah, I mean, they were not known as big graphics yeah. people yeah. at that time. I yeah. was working there and I had to help them with mm -hmm. understanding Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. And I remember they gave me the opportunity to design the men's basketball cover media guide. And I was on this motion blur uh, journey. And <laughs> Just working that filter. <laughs> Worked that filter on a couple of the covers. So that was Who was fun. on the cover? Do you remember? Oh, man. No. Um, I don't. I don't. It might have been like Marcel Jackson and... Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna look it Mark up, but Bowens I can't. or somebody like you know, like all those players back in the day. I just remember like creating the covers. I'm like, this is so cool. They let me an intern do this, and you know, those are the opportunities that when you provide to other people, they can take and run with it, or you know, fail. But luckily, I didn't fail. <laughs> Did it spark? And you? Yeah, definitely. I, I loved it. You know, I, I as an athlete, I saw it from the athlete perspective, but then I also saw what they were doing to help promote the sports, um, whether they were small sports or the big sports like basketball. Um, you know, being able to find 
interesting stories to either pitch it to the media or um, just interacting with the coaches and staff on, on a more professional manner was was really fun for me. And, and I got to see both sides. It wasn't always easy with, with my, my head coach because he couldn't separate the two distinctions between I'm an athlete, but I'm also doing all his sports information. So there was definitely a couple times where you butt heads, you're like, I'm not talking to you as your, your thrower, I'm talking to you as, I need you to go do this for an interview. <laughs> so that it was a little difficult. That was a little weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start to feel the body was breaking down as you're throwing? Oh God, just from the beginning. I mean, I struggled the entire college with my bad back. Like it was, it was a, a daily struggle. Um, I did a lot of therapy for it, and so there were good days, there were bad days. Um, the shoulder, pretty much my entire college career, I had problems with it. Um, I had a, a, essentially a constant bone bruise in my clavicle until I stopped competing. And um, once that finally healed, it, um, I mean, I still feel it sometimes, right. but you know, it was, it was Cold. constant. Yeah. It's colder. Yeah. And when my back goes out, my dad always says, you know, it's really great that track paid for school because we didn't have to pay for anything, but I really sometimes wonder if it was worth it when I look at you struggling to walk. I'm like, yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't have debt. You don't have debt. We're good. <laughs> It'll heal. Just give me some muscle relaxers. <laughs> And as I say that, the other day I went to pick up my cat's water dish in my back seized. I and I was like, damn it. I mean, was it like a five-gallon drum? No, it was a tiny little bowl. And I'm like, yeah. oh, oh. You're not getting water today. <laughs> sorry, cat. Oh. <laughs> sorry, cat. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I, I mean, was it just genetic bad luck? like, Or is it just the nature of that? It's the nature. Spin, yeah, it's the nature because you hurling. have all that torque. Right. And what you do when you throw is you're in a movement, a, con a spinning motion, and then you just stop and twist your body. And that twist, just your back. I mean, it's not... And, and you go one slight differentiation from the normal position, and it it, keep, you know, it kinks it out. And so, I, I mean, I, there were times I'd throw and I'd be like, yeah, done for the day. Done for the day. And But then sometimes it would be perfectly fine. What would make it perfectly fine? Just, just you, perfect technique. Just perfect just technique. Just perfect release where you're lined up correctly and you just let go and everything's just great. So you finish smooth. Yeah, yeah. So there, if there were days you were bad, uh -huh. it would kill you. Yeah, yeah. You'd go home just wrenched yeah, in pain. Yeah, I mean, there were days I, I couldn't, like, I'd walk like I was 100 and I could barely move or I couldn't even roll over in the bed because it was just so painful. Did other, like, it's funny you say that, like, did other students know, like, what's going on with her? Yeah. Like, I saw her last week, she was fine, now she looks like, you know, she got hit by a car. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they'd ask her, are you okay? I'm like, no, my back's out. Uh, yeah, trying I'm to get out of chairs. <laughs> I'm good, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, totally fine, it's okay. You're a walker. Yeah, I remember they gave me, I, I was able to get a, a portable stim unit for my back and or, and uh, so I use it I still use it I think to this day but you know I, I would have that with me um, to wherever I'd go so I could put it on if needed <laughs> you just broke just wires coming yeah, out of you yeah. I'm fine I'm totally fine can I plug this into the wall charge yeah, it yeah exactly so when did you feel like this is a career 
Probably when I started interning at the, the Long Beach State Office and then the Big West. Because I, I just, I liked being in sports. I liked looking at the, the stats and promoting and talking to the media and um, running events. Like, I just, it, it made sense to me. And um, I met a lot of different people from different schools at these events, whether it was a basketball tournament or a water polo tournament. And I, one of them knew I was graduating um, or finishing competing and had mentioned UCLA had an internship opening. Okay. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let me apply. They're like, yeah, it's full time. It has benefits. An internship, a paid full-time benefit. Okay. And I, I remember. I'm in. I'm in. I applied. And I just got a t-shirt from yeah, the Big West. That's yeah, all I got. I know, right? And I interviewed with them. And um, I remember I had gone back home. And I think I was in the weight room. And I got the phone call. And they're like, yeah, we want to offer you the job. As soon as you're done competing. So essentially, I think it was early May at that point, And I started as soon as my season ended, which was essentially June, um, and started working at UCLA. Now, what made you think you needed a master's degree? Nothing, really. It was just I needed something for my fifth year. So that, it, <laughs> and, was, it was the fifth-year education, yeah, which happens a lot. Yeah, it was an 18-month program. Yeah, it was an 18-month program, and um, it was at school I was competing at. I didn't want to do a double major, and so um, it just made the most sense since I wanted to work in sports. Um, we had a lot of athletes that had gone through the program, and so I just went with that and Right, because that happens a lot with fifth-year mm-hmm. athletes. Is they, if they've graduated, they need to be in school, so they take master's yeah. course. And a lot yeah. of them, though, don't even finish. Yeah. They just take the, their soccer players, they finish it out, they walk off the right. program. Right, yeah, and so I finished my master's my first few months at UCLA. So it, it all lined up perfectly. Just, I mean, it, it could not have been more perfect. You know, I didn't have to go find a job. I didn't have to hit the pavement. Right. I knew people. I had a good connection. I interviewed. I got it. And I stopped competing and started working full time for and them. And you stayed. You didn't have to go to cross the right, country. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's another huge thing. Yeah, and thing. I wasn't looking to leave anyway. No, but, <laughs> but somebody didn't say, yeah. well, you know, we got a job here in Chicago. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> I wouldn't take it. West Side or Chicago? <laughs> hmm, Let's yeah, see. Yeah. See ya. So how was that UCLA experience? Because now you go from little Long Beach State, non-football school, mm-hmm. where you went to school, internship, to now a then Pac-10, yep. now 12. Yep. What, 30,000 students? It's a giant yeah, it place. Was, it was different. It's different working at a football school when you come from one that does not have football. And you were not in football at that time, uh-uh. right? Like you, no, yeah. But still, it's the giant... Yeah, gorilla yeah. in the room with I, every sport. Yeah, I, I was assigned to cross-country, track and field, okay. <laughs> of course, and swimming and diving. So I didn't know anything about swimming and diving, but track was obviously something I knew. And then we would all work different sporting events, and we'd all work football games. And as we started working football games, I would tell my boss, I'm like, you know, I'd really like to be more involved in football because I've always loved football. I get the game. Like, th- this would be great. How okay. big is the department? Like, people? Yeah. Compared Ooh. to like Long Beach State, because that's the becomes the apples yeah. and oranges. 
I mean, it's it's. I, I don't even know the numbers, but it's definitely significant because three times as big. Probably because you know you think you have one compliance officer at Long Beach State, and then they have a whole group of compliance officers right. at they UCLA. They have a department of compliance, yeah. like twelve. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's definitely a director, a manager, yeah. a supervisor, and yeah. eight people below yeah. her. Yeah, it's different. It's totally different. And um, because that 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 is something, I think people also forget. Football has let's just say 15 coaches yeah. and then five volunteer. And then that means they have probably four or five medical people just for them. That's a whole, that's all of UC Irvine. Yeah. That's all of Riverside, Santa Barbara. Like, you don't understand how big when you put football in an athletic department, it gets because all the support staff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, at that time we were all in the same building. They've since have a basketball facility and a football facility now, but yeah, everyone was in the same building. Uh, and and that was an older building, older building. Yep. Yep. So you're all like scrunched in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, their sports info staff had probably 10 full-time people. Oh, goodness. And I know Long Beach had like three. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's definitely a difference, but you also have way more sports. Mm -hmm. uh, but football. Yeah, and you, you were covering swimming and diving. Yeah, Long yeah. Beach hadn't had that since yeah, the 80s. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just as my boss saw my desire to want more, he would give me opportunities. And Is that so was Mark at the time? Mark Dellens, yeah. So I would be able to start working on the football field during games. And so I'd be the liaison to the media. So I got to build the relationship with the radio and the, the TV um, broadcasters um, early on while I was there. And then really get to know the team as well because then I would start working at practice and, and helping with the media interviews. And slowly but surely, I just started to get, become more and more involved. And I took on their media guide, um, redesigned that for them. And so were you feeling comfortable with Media Guy and designing now? Yes, 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 much better. Yeah, and we were all responsible for our own Media Guys at UCLA. Um, so I, I worked Was on... Was there a template you were following, or were you were giving ability to create your own? Kind of recreate your own. Um, we did have one section that was like the historical section that I redesigned for all of us, so we had the same thing. Um, it's kind of uniform, so it didn't... Yeah, and Scattered. I, I remember one of my football media guides, I think one, was the finalist for COSIDA, which was the sports info right. group um, for best media guide one year. So I was really excited about that. I just remember being excited when you went to UCLA that I could see you now on the sidelines after a game. Yeah. I know, I know. At halftime or end of the game, I could see you come down all dressed up. Yep, yep. No spandex and, you know, and a, and a <laughs> real clothes. Real clothes you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I started to travel with the football team. Which was a whole nother experience because they charter. Now, how were you covering like cross country and then traveling? Uh, it was, I mean, you know, they'd send me the results and I'd talk okay. to the coach on the phone to get quotes. So it wasn't, it really was, cross country is pretty light in right. coverage, so it wasn't hard. But the, the, the football travel was definitely fun because, you know, they feed you constantly. You're in a great hotel, and you're you have a Charter police flight. escort. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's definitely. I was like eyes wide open the first trip. I'm like this is amazing, and you know I just remember the first flight I took. We're getting on the plane, and they give you a bag lunch, which has sandwich and cookies and fruit and cheese and crackers. And I'm like, oh, this is great for the flight. How great? No, no. We take off and. 30 minutes after takeoff, they come with like, here's your meal option. I'm like, but I just ate this. I ate a turkey I sandwich. <laughs> Damn, I didn't know that. I would have saved that for later. Because you forget there's a 330 uh -huh. pound guy yes. that needs to eat Constant every 45 food. minutes. Yeah, so they bring a hot meal down and then they came by with snacks later. And it was just like, 
I and we're just going anymore. to Phoenix. Yeah, right? Exactly. And then you land, and there's Team Mule. And so it was just constant food. And I'm like, okay, now I know how to pace myself for and the next trip. you're no longer trip. an athlete. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I can't eat all that food. Um, but, you know, and then you'd, you'd get to bond with the, you know, the coaches and the staff. Not the coaches, per se, because they're focused. But the staff that goes on the trips. Like, I remember going to Tennessee and Texas. And the whole staff would have the chance to go out and hang out. And, and give you a really good opportunity to get to know people better. And so that was, you know, some of the, the best times. And I got to go to Notre Dame and see them play. Notre Dame was a loss, but I was there. How was that? Is like it, I mean, your first amazing. Right? Was that your first ex- yeah, yeah. trip to Notre to, Dame? To Notre Dame, yeah. And to be on that football field and so much history there. That was one of my favorite trips. We went to Tennessee and we beat them in Tennessee. That was amazing. That's an unbelievable stadium. Um, I just remember walking in and looking up and it was so massive. And I could not believe, like, there's so 107,000 people at this game. All wearing orange. All wearing orange, yeah. Singing everything oh, yeah. together. Yes, yes. Did, and, and so that's what I find fascinating. Did you go to any football games as a kid? Did no. you go to SC or, no, or no. UCLA? Or, so your time, at U, your first experience at UCLA was your first college games? I think I might have gone to one or two UCLA games when I was in college with my friend Carrie, who threw at UCLA. Okay. But aside from that, so I... So you were in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your first college game you worked? You were on the field. Oh, man. Something at home with UCLA, the Rose Bowl? Yeah, it might have been UCLA-Oklahoma. Okay. Maybe. It was, it was a home game at the Rose Bowl. I don't remember which one, but... Was that a little surreal? It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the whole experience. When I first started working there, I wasn't on the field, so I was up in the press box. But, but still. S- but still, it's just like, this now is so cool. Now you're looking down cool. at people, yeah, right, in yeah. big press box. And then when I started working on the field, I'm like, this is even a better place to be. So does that make you think, hmm, what would have been like to go to Syracuse? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, you, right, like Illinois, like a, Illinois. a football school for sure. Like, you could have had that whole cool college experience with football, but... It's weird how football drives a college experience. Yeah. You, you know what you're going to do from late August to November every Saturday. You're tailgating, you're hanging out, your sorority girls are going to the fraternity, whatever it is, and you're all going together and being asses for three hours <laughs> and having a great time. But that's the college experience. Yeah. It's so unbelievable. Even, at, you know, how Poly San Luis Obispo has it, even though it's a littler school. Right, right. Saturday, it's football. Yeah, it's definitely a different feeling and just different energy to a campus. And even though UCLA Stadium is obviously the Rose Bowl and not on campus, you still have that, you know, that game day energy that right. you don't have with any other sport. Did you ever go to a game where it was in a dome? I don't think so. No. Because Syracuse is in a dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have played like something in Dallas or Houston or. No, Houston was open air, their stadium. Rice was. No. Rice, yeah, yeah. no. Texas sometimes stadium. they play like at, what, then it would have been Reliant Stadium where the Texans play or. Yeah, no, some I don't think so. Weird Mm-mm. sugar bowl I've kind of I've thrown in a dome. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> like, I remember Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, right. They're, they're in a dome. And just the elevation we were at, I remember walking up the stairs somewhere and dying at the top because I wasn't used to elevation. Yeah, what's that? 7,000 7, feet. 7,000 feet, and you're just like, <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's like, I can't breathe. 
Yeah, so can you imagine playing football at that no. elevation? <laughs> no. So that, so that little period there, really that exposure to football was a bit of a drug. Like it just mm-hmm. took off for you. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I wanted more. I wanted to keep working with it. <laughs> what can I do to get this what, in my what arm? What else can I do? Yeah. What else do you need me for? Um, so it was great. And then my boss um, retired and I was able to move into... And he had been there for a He'd long. been there for 30 five right. years plus. He was young Mark when he started. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he retired and, and I stepped in to to fill the role and then became primary media contact for the football team. And I was one of only, I think, two women in the conference that were primary. Now, at what point did you go from intern member mm-hmm. to, hey, Stephanie, would you like to actually work here full time? Yeah, I was. A, it was three years I was a full time intern. And then they were able to change the yeah. Then they changed it to a full time position after three years. Okay. So I, I stuck around and it, it worked out. Was there a conversation like we're going to move this to in, from yeah. intern to full yeah. time? And uh-huh. you said, "Boy, I might be interested in yes, that." Yes, I was like, "Oh, great! I love it here. This is great. My dad's a Bruin. You know, I love this. Cool." <laughs> Let's do it. And especially as I kept getting more and more opportunities to do things, of course, I wanted to stay where I was I was exceeding and, and doing more and more every day. Those first three years, did you transfer to any other sports or did you just stay cross-country track, swimming, diving? I, I had those the entire time I was there. Those were always my sports. Okay. Um, but I would also work soccer games and gymnastics and yeah, volleyball. Yeah, help out because yeah. there's so much yeah. going on. Yeah. So when you take on the football role and being one of only three, how was that? It was good. You know, there were, there are definitely times where you hear comments and, you know, you have to just brush it off and say, don't talk to me like that. You know, there are times where I would tell someone, you can't say that to me. And, you know, definitely experience. Was that more from players, media, coaches? I would say just... Because this is very pre-social yeah, media, yeah. which is very weird to say, but yeah. that has changed everything. Yeah, I mean, the players, you know, the, there's always comments from players. There's Right, they're 18-year-old they're, ass they're 18 class. They're 18-year-olds. Um, it's and amazing just, the difference between, what, an 18 and a 24. Like, because you're, that's what you are yeah, by then. And, yeah. like, there's this 18-year-old who's just dumb as a box of right, rocks. Right, Yeah, I mean, you, you just... Working in sports as a woman, it's something you, unfortunately expect and um, obviously it's been a while since I've worked in sports and things have changed and, and kind of the, yes. the the environment is different than when I was there but I never I didn't feel like I was never supported and if I had a concern I could definitely raise it or threatened yeah yeah there was I was never threatened and it was just stupid it was comments. just stupid comments and, and I can hold my own and I'm like you just can't say that to me Right. And then shut it down and yeah. go away. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... It, I got a shot put in my purse. I'll yeah, throw right? it at you. Yeah, Don't <laughs> test me. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it, for me, I was fine. I didn't, I didn't have any major issues. Because you got to have a little bit of thick skin and not mm-hmm. put up with that crap, but mm-hmm. you got to realize you're always going to be like... If a coach is having a bad day or a bad game and mm-hmm. you've got a, con- you know, hey, coach, we need you to talk mm-hmm. to, he's always going to be a bit of an ass yeah. to the first person he yep. deals with. And that's yep. almost always the SID. Yeah. We've, I've dealt with that. And you're just right. like, I'm we're just on, doing my job. I'm doing my job <laughs> and we're on the same team. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to apologize to me 30 minutes later on the airplane. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. let's just not be an ass yeah. now. Did, did you develop a bit of a... I don't want to say thick skin, but understanding of the that difference of the job, like yeah, yeah, I think, and you know, I think you have to have a thick skin to work, especially in a male-dominated profession. Um, 
you and know, there's no sport with more testosterone no, than exactly. football. Exactly. And you know, you just, you, you know, you hear the talk, you, you just, it's the background noise. You don't let it affect you. Like you, if you did, it, you wouldn't be able to do your job. And so it's just managing the background noise and, and focusing on the job at hand and what you need to do. When did social media start to seep in at UCLA, other than a website, which I don't even really classify as yeah. social media anymore. It was kind of a, a promotional tool where social media has just exploded. Yeah, I think for sure that was one reason why Mark, uh, my former boss, decided it was time to go because he... It went from print to it went from ones print, and zeros. Yeah, yeah. And it was um, adapting to that and just the constant hit of information in moments um, was just different. And uh, so it probably was like around 2010, I'm guessing, when we started yeah. to see it more and more. And then those last two years, um, it was more prevalent. And now there's full positions for social media and a team. Because he was used to actually controlling the narrative at a time. Mm -hmm. This is how the story went. This was the, now you've got, you know, writers tweeting during the game, players yeah. talking and promoting themselves. like. The SID had so much control at one point, and now they're just hanging on yeah. to a spinning. Yeah, and you have parents control contacting reporters, and they tweet what they say right away. Yeah. As opposed to previously, you'd have a reporter be like, "Okay, so I'm hearing this. Can you get back to me on it?" Like they don't even check anymore; they just run with it, and they want to be the first to break the news. And Twitter, right? <laughs> get it out there. Actually, it was probably smart for Mark to run away. Not walk away, <laughs> run, run away. Because it was a mo he yeah. was too late in his career yeah. to even try to understand that monster. Yeah, exactly. And it is a monster. Yeah. I don't even call it a tool anymore. No, it's, it is it is a monster. It is a beast. It's an unwieldy beast. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. So when did you start to put your hands on social media and understand, like, okay, this is going to be something UCLA I think it was to. kind of a, a team thing. Like we all were responsible for our own teams at that point. And so um, highlighting what we wanted on social was kind of a um, your responsibility for your team. And so they're really at that point, I don't think we had a, a set social media plan. I think it was just in the early stages of that. And um, I know they have that now. Was but there any directory from Dan up the AD at the time? Like, hey, what's the social media I hear of? And like, what should we do? Because it yeah. was, it's... It's funny. If you look back on it, when did like the first person show you Twitter or oh. show you the MySpace that went to the Facebook, right? Like, you know, everybody was kind of like, what yeah. do I jump on? Because yeah. everybody was jumping around from different website platforms to like CBS is going to run mine and then we're going to do our own. And, but there were come and goes of different social media, whether it was uh we're going to do Periscope. We're doing Meerkat. We're doing like this. And they came and they went and vined. Yeah. And, and so you were right there at that precipice at UCLA when all these things were just Coming blowing out. up and going away at the same time. Yeah. You're like, we're all about Vine. It's gone. Yeah. I think we were always <laughs> Twitter and Instagram maybe. What? And this is the saddest thing that I honestly don't really remember how it. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. You're like, it's just here. I yeah. I just remember being told okay you control each of your own sports and like other than that I don't honestly I don't remember like what we were doing and that I was, don't think anybody knows what they were yeah. doing then <laughs> because it was just coming at us at it 100 was, miles yeah. an hour yeah I have no idea and I, think, I don't know who did the best job of controlling it as part of a saying a university like a Texas or a Michigan mm -hmm. but I know when we were at Fullerton it was just nobody had 
like this is the set rule. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just too early at that point to to have a plan, and it, they were just trying to catch up and like stay stay in the game Ahead somehow. Of the kids. Yeah, because yeah. there was catching up to nobody. It was like the little fifteen year old, you know, next recruit is on Twitter and he's got a hundred thousand followers. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, did you did you adapt to that well? I think understanding so. social media. I think I think so. I mean, you know, because you weren't Mark Dillon's, but no, yeah, but you I weren't mean, you weren't sixteen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, so, and that's the weird thing. It's like, but I'm only let's say twenty four. Yeah, but that's a million years yeah. away from a sixteen year old that's been on TikTok and has a million followers. Yeah, I I think at that point it was just like the basics, like let's post something, and it wasn't the too much thought about what kind of response would we get from this. Like, let's post a cool photo of a track athlete or something like I honestly I don't just to fill that void yeah just to fill the void and and I I can say like today I still don't have my own Twitter account good like, girl I have Instagram Facebook but Twitter like I just haven't <laughs> haven't gotten on that bandwagon you're not missing a thing it's not a bandwagon it's a yeah cesspool. I just have it for work yeah and that's you haven't it. dived into that porta potty yeah that's yeah. what I look at it yeah. as when at when at UCLA because when I was doing my, my research on you and I was like circling years, and I'm like, ah, she was right in the middle of like, your, your time as an SID was right in the middle of the explosion of mm-hmm. these tools. Were, was it something, at what point was it like, because I remember in the little 90s-ish, the websites came in and everybody was trying to figure it out. So... When did somebody then finally say, this is how we're doing it at UCLA? I think I'd probably left by that you were time. Left. Yeah, yeah. So they were still kind of I think every man for himself. I th- yeah, I don't really remember. Because so. you left it. 2012. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so people were still kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what made you finally decide, like, the time at UCLA had come? <laughs> Well, I had been there since 2004, so my, a long time, and um, you know I had moved up to, to being primary for football, and, and I was hoping to get a promotion or at least a title change, and they were like, no, not right now, just hang in there. What was your title? Um, sports Information Director. Okay. Um, and they're like, well, hang in there for that Pac-12 money that's coming in soon. And oh, right, the TV money. Because we had just started the Pac-12 network, and... I was like, okay, I've been doing this for at least since college now, over 10 years. Um, it's seven days a week. It's every holiday. It's long hours. It's traveling. Um, yeah, the, the charter planes got old real quick. Yeah, and the you know, sack it's, lunches and the- it's a, it was the same thing every day. Go to work, update the stats, update the weekly release, go to practice. And I started getting a little bored and not really challenged. And, and, you know, it goes back to that competitive spirit. Like, I always want to challenge myself. And I didn't feel challenged anymore. And so I started, you know, asking, trying to see what else would be out there. And Dan Smith, who was our PA director at Long Beach State um, that I knew really well from when I was an athlete and working sports info there. Love Dan. Um, he worked at a PR firm um, and connected me with uh, one of the, the primaries there. And... Um, 
I interviewed and I ended up getting the job. Um, and I remember I was at football training camp in San Bernardino. <laughs> that for sounds a week. like fun. <laughs> Living in the dorms at Cal State San Bernardino. Nobody should have yeah. to do that. Yeah. When I got the call um, with the job offer and um, they offered me like a senior account manager position at the PR firm. And it was a corporate firm. And he's like, I know you come from sports, so it's not the same thing. Like, you might be a little bored. I'm like, but I'm, I want to try a different, you know, field of PR. I want to learn about corporate PR. I want a, just a different experience. And so I left and I took the job there. And it definitely was different. It definitely was not as exciting um, as working in sports. They didn't do a five, seven clap or whatever. No, eight clap. No, eight clap with, it was a I'm one it off. was a nine to five. Really, it was one of those. Yep, you come in, you do your work, and you go home. And um, I think I was still doing stats at Long Beach um, for different sports, so I still had my sports connection. Um, and about three months into that job, I got contacted by some people on behalf of Long Beach State because they had an opening for the assistant athletic director for media relations. And I was like, oh, but I'm out of sports. I've left. I work nine to five. I work a real job. I'm in corporate PR. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we really think it'd be good. Like you're an athlete. You have two degrees from here. You interned here. Like it's, it's coming home. I'm like, yeah, but I left sports. And I... I had some trepidations because I, I knew um, several women who had worked in the athletic department um, for that current AD, and um, they left. They weren't happy working there. And so I, I was a little concerned with what I had heard, but um, I went and interviewed. Uh, I got offered the job and had the opportunity to be an assistant athletic director and at my alma mater. So I was like, this is great. This can't be any more perfect. How great. <laughs> and what's funny is the, the PR firm I worked at, when I told my boss I was leaving, he's like, I'm not surprised. Like, you have to take it. He's like, I knew it, this wouldn't work for you. I know it's not as exciting. And so I went to Long Beach State and took over. And now, did you talk to anybody beforehand? Oh, like totally, totally. I talked to multiple people. The women who had worked in the athletic department. I talked to um, other people I knew in the Long Beach area. Um, and they all felt like it was going to be a good fit because it, I'm, you know, I'm a Long Beach State kid and, you know, it's coming home. You're going to do great. Like you're doing big things at UCLA. You're going to be able to bring some big things here. And that's not what happened. <laughs> I should have listened to people <laughs> because that began. Um, Did they give you warning signs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that, you know, that the athletic director was not the best person to work for. Um, and I can attest to that. Yeah, yeah, I can attest to it too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was just, you know, there was some bad vibes going into it. But, you know, me, the athlete, the competitive person was like, I could go in there. I can be fine. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, I'll I'm, work through this. I'll work through this. Who was on your staff at that time? Um, Roger Kirk. Uh, Cameron Fujimoto and Andrea Oda. Okay. And then John Fajardo was the photographer. Okay. And, you know, I, I wanted to make sure the staff felt included. So we would have staff meetings and, you know, everyone was on the same page and, and I felt like we were working really well together. Um, but there were a lot of little things that started coming up that, uh, that made, quickly, that, I mean, pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, the, the way I met the head coach for basketball, which was my sport, was walking to the post-game press conference and them saying, this is Stephanie, your new um, SID. 
and like not even having the opportunity to meet one-on-one with him. It was in a media um, interview session. And so we really didn't even have a chance to speak. They didn't, when you came in, like take you around and be like, this is, you know, Stephanie. No. <laughs> so that's I, something you pull with an intern. Yeah. That's going to be gone in six months. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wasn't properly, um, you know, introduced to to the basketball staff, to other people. Um, and you introduced to anybody? I mean, I knew a lot of people still right, from when I was but an athlete. Still, the walk around? I don't remember having a walk around. Even just like, yeah, you knew. Let's say you knew Brian. Yeah. But still, they take you and be like, Brian, now, hey, yeah, no, look who's I here. Think I, inter- I would go around and say hi because I wanted to make sure the coaches knew I was there. I don't remember a formal email going out announcing me being there. Um, and so I... So classy. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, there were definitely... I was thrown into working softball. I had never worked softball in my life. And so I was navigating through knowing how to learn softball. And I had parents yelling at me right. and parents yelling at me about, you gave this person a... That's an RBI. Yeah, exactly. That's a sacrifice. Um, Shut up. Yeah, Nobody I, likes Katie. I just remember like, <laughs> you know, having these meetings and they're like, okay, well, we're concerned because of this or, you know, like you and the coach, the basketball coach aren't getting along. I'm like, I try to talk to him. He won't talk to me. Like he won't have a conversation with me and 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 well you're not doing enough okay i got our star basketball player on sports center's top 10 for his dunk because he was we were trying to get him into the dunk contest so social media we started a social media campaign to try to get him um more notoriety okay well let's let's backtrack yeah. when you when you step in to mm-hmm. the position how out of date were they with maybe like just being up to UCLA standards or the standards in the Big West? Were they, did they have a, a, a well-run website? Were they organized? Were, did they have a social media presence? Like, were those things that you would have checked your box? Did they have? I think there were definitely room for improvement, as with any program. And, you know, they had a marketing team who did a lot of their social. Okay. And so I was integrating with them to okay. make sure that we all had the same message and the, and the same focus in the messaging that you put out. Um, and making sure that the website's up to date. And so there was a lot of making sure that was going on um, and just, you know. I don't know if there were like major red flags like in the first 30 days. You're like, Whoa. Not with sports info. Okay. Not, not really with the sports okay. info. No. Um, and everyone, you know, seemed to get on board with what we were trying to do. Okay. And um, I just remember a, a meeting where um, the difficulties with the basketball coach were brought up. And I said, I, I'm trying. Like, wh- I don't know what else I can do. Like, I'm trying to have conversations with him on the road, but he doesn't really want to talk to me. And then this, this social media campaign, we got him into the dunk contest. We got him on SportsCenter. And I was told, oh, you didn't get him in the dunk contest because of your campaign. The coach picked up the phone and called to get him in. So, like, I couldn't even get credit for anything I was doing. Like, I, I didn't get a good job. Like, that's awesome. Sports Center. Like, when's the last time we had an athlete featured on Sports Center? I couldn't get that. Shake James Cotton? Yeah, right? I know. So, I was like, okay, so you can't even give me credit for creativity on a whole campaign that got him on Sports Center. I can't get credit for him in the dunk contest. Okay. Okay. Like, those are red flags. That just shows there's no respect for what I was doing in the position. 
And then um, the kicker, this is the best. Uh, we were at the NIT game at Baylor, the basketball team. Um, we lost by about 60. It was... Uh, that close. Oh, it was such a bad game because several of the players had been suspended. And we... Um, didn't have our full coaching staff. And so we were in Baylor. I remember going to the hotel after the game. It was just me and the coach in the elevator. And um, when it came to uh, the floor, he's like, you know, I've never had a loss that bad with any other sports information director. As if it was my fault the team lost by 60 points. <laughs> were you not playing defense and, right? that day? And so I just remember walking out of the elevator saying, happy to help. No, no, you <laughs> should have said I have never been with a basketball coach so who's ever lost so poorly yeah. in my life. I, like, I couldn't believe he just said that. I'm like, did he just blame me for his team losing by 60? I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. Great. That's like, again, the respect level there. Thanks. Okay, Where do you think that was stemming from? I don't know. I, you know, I, maybe he just doesn't like women working with him. I don't know. Um, I think he was angry, and maybe I'm just the person he you wanted to take it out on because I was right there. Post. Yeah. But how, however it is, it was, it was never a strong relationship. And, it, I, you know, two days prior to... Uh, going through the six month, my first six months there, I was fired. And uh, I just remember the day I was fired, we had just moved offices. So all my stuff was boxed. And um, I'm in like workout clothes because we had been moving. And um, the associate AD and then another um, person from the athletic department met me at my office and they're like, can you come with us? And he had like a manila envelope in his hand. And I'm like, yeah, sure, where are we going? This, you know, I'm like, what's up? <laughs> and they were walking super fast. And the other guy's not even looking at me. And I'm like, oh, so this doesn't seem good. This is not right. <laughs> this isn't good. They're not talking to they me. They take me to the other side of the pyramid to one of the empty basketball offices and close the door. And he opens his little folder up and, and begins to read that you're being separated from employment. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I raised my hand. I'm like, what are you? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> what's happening here? Are you firing me? Yes, and da, 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 da. I'm like, wait, wait, you're firing me? Yes, da, 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 da. and I just like, I'm like, there's nothing I can do, no. And so I just like, oh, slam the door open, ran to my office, and trying to keep it together because my entire staff is in our suite. Oh boy. And so then I'm looking for my phone. I can't find my phone. And I started to freak out, and someone's like, what's wrong? And so I'm like, I can't find my phone. <laughs> And then they're like, are you okay? What's wrong? I'm like, I just got fucking fired. <laughs> and then I ran out to the car and lost it and called my parents right. <laughs> and multiple other people. And it was like the most devastating thing I think I've ever been through. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the golden child of Long Beach State reduced to being fired. <laughs> right. So. So you shot the goose right mm -hmm, in the ass. Mm -hmm. So, and we talked about this before the podcast, like, so... Obviously, what did we learn from that? Right. We learned a lot. We learned, um, first off, maybe trust your gut and, and the um, comments of other people. But, the, the, you know, one thing I learned is the... Um, now, let's say, yeah. how many people did you contact? Let's say a dozen people did you contact before the job? Probably, yeah. Eight, ten of them said red flags? Yeah, yeah, most of them. Most of them. 
But then there were the ones that were like, but it's, but like you're a Long Beach State person, like it's okay, like you can do this. So now six months later, you look at those red flags and you go, oh my God, they're absolutely yeah. real? Yeah, oh totally. And I saw it even like three months in, like every, there were always things that would come up and I'm like, yeah. But you're trying to sugarcoat it three months in. Yeah. But the red flags prior were dead on. Yeah. Nobody had an ax to grind Mm-mm. or was just like, no, he's an eight, no. Yeah. It was spot on. Yep, spot on. Yeah, and uh, almost scripted. Almost scripted, and it's funny because I had, um, met, like, in May before I, I was let go in June. May I had gone and bought new furniture, and my dad was like, "Are you sure you want to buy furniture right now?" He's like, "I know things are a little, <laughs> like, you were concerned about some things at your job." I'm like, "Oh, it's fine. Like, like they they can't fire me. I'm a state employee," and. Um, I got fired <laughs> like a couple of weeks later. And so it's now it's like that running joke when I want to buy something big, like, like, are you sure Like you're in a good place? But yeah, I learned that uh, the contract I signed was a temporary contract. I was not aware of that when I signed all my paperwork because um, I didn't check it. And... Um, you know, the HR person I had known since college and we were catching up and I was sign here. Okay, sign here. And we never really had a, this, yeah, it was never a conversation about this is the type of contract and here are the stipulations. This is your probation period. So I honestly didn't know I was on a six month probation. And that's my own mistake for not knowing what I was getting into. Reading yes. everything yes. you signed. And asking questions. And so, you know, the first thing I learned was read the documents before you sign them and ask the questions so you know what you're getting into and what your probation period is and all of that. So for me, right away, that's like, don't just chit-chat with the HR person. Like, actually know what you're doing. Even if they're your friend. Exactly. In the end, they're not your friend. Exactly. Because nobody gave you warning signs. Nope. (laughs) She didn't call you up six months earlier or a week earlier or anything. Yeah, yeah. So they're only their friend until you both are, you know, as you guys both are employed. Yep. She has to let you go. Yep. See ya. Yeah. So now, did they give you a copy of that contract or of those of that, of that paperwork? I'm sure they did because I remember I called our um, the UCLA HR um, athletics HR person to be like, "Can they do this?" And she's like, "Well, what's the contract?" And I'm sure at that point we were finding the documents, and she's like, "Well, yeah." And so she explained to me what kind of contract I was in um, and what kind of employment it was, and so I was like. Okay, so I'm kind of stuck. And that's funny that the former employee employer yeah, yeah. walked you through. Yeah. And the original person did not. Yeah. Yeah. So Because I believe at some point it yes, it ultimately it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. But it's also the responsibility of HR to walk you through and go, Stephanie, so you're aware mm-hmm. this is what you're signing, this is what's going, and then as of June first, you'll be signing another contract yep. or it's going to roll over and then here's your health package. Mm-hmm. Like there's gotta be more than just Sweetie, you look great. I haven't seen you in a while. Sign, sign, sign. Yep, which it was. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's a learning lesson for me because I could have been more aware of timing on things and watched that better. But, you know what? It, it really wasn't meant to be. It More than anything, like, it helped me realize that that was not the place I needed to go. It was I, a good adjacent. It, it it, yeah, it was what I thought was a good step. But I knew it wasn't in the in the grand scheme of things. But if I went back in time, and and we talked about this before, I'm like, I don't. Part of me would say, I would go back in time and not take the job. But 
I want to say, yes, I would go back in time and do it over again because it wouldn't have put me on the path to where I am today. And so even though it was the worst thing that ever happened to me and like never felt more depressed and I was out of work for 15 months, like I just, I, I, it wouldn't, if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't be at LAX today. And so that for me was, is, you know, the silver lining in it all. Right. Did it put you a bit of a, a little bit of a depression and mm -hmm. funk? Oh, for sure. It, yeah, and the, the one great thing is that my parents were incredibly supportive. And um, so they so, have to be. They've yeah. taken me to Idaho for shop yeah. putting. They're going to take care of this. <laughs> right, and, and so were the people at UCLA because um, when I was at Long Beach State, I stopped working stats. And when I was let go at Long Beach State, um, obviously the, the HR director at UCLA oversaw the stat crews. She's like, well, come back and do stats so you have some money. And I was on unemployment and all that. And so I, I was working a UCLA um, basketball game. And um, the video director was like, hey, how's Long Beach State? I'm like, so you haven't heard what happened. He's like, what? <laughs> so then I rehashed the whole story. <laughs> Was that every bit you time rehashing it a little bit of a tearing back the... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were times where I, I couldn't even talk about it without crying. But then every time I would tell it, I would get better and better about it. And it was, you know, at that point, he's like... Oh. I was angry and it didn't happen yeah. to me. <laughs> I, I had a lot of support. I had coaches who were still at Long Beach State who were like, we went to the AD and said, we, we don't want that to happen. Like, why did you let her go? She was doing fantastic and so to know I had the support of most of the coaches and a lot of the athletic department staff meant a lot but obviously their words meant nothing to the AD. Right. Yeah he but, was setting his decision. Yeah yeah and the, the video director called me the next day after the basketball he was like do you need a part-time job? I'm like yes. <laughs> sure. Sure. It's like I need an office assistant. I'm like okay and so you know my parents didn't want me to come home because I knew if I came home, I would just be in more of a funk. And so I started working at UCLA in the video office and started learning how to edit videos. And I would go on, on um, sporting events and learn to shoot. So I started picking up a new skill set. And um, so I, I learned very basics of Adobe Premiere. So that was good. And um, I had that social interaction that, that helps. I needed. And get I had you the support. Get out of the sweats. Yeah, Make yeah. you comb your hair. Exactly, yeah. Put on some deodorant yeah. and get out of the house. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, UCLA was my lifeline because, you know, I, I was able to keep doing things there. And I applied for so many jobs. And I got, you're overqualified. Or, sorry. Yes. You're overqualified. Sorry. And then I finally... Um, got a job with Cypress College running their sports info and marketing. And so that was very different from anything I'd ever done because it was like a one-woman shop. Right. <laughs> so that was You're covering 15, every sport yeah, by yourself. That was 15 months after I was fired. I finally got a job. Jesus. Yeah. Isn't it funny like, oh, get the master's degree. And then when you have it and you're looking for a job <laughs> and you just want it, you know, they're like, but you're overqualified. Yeah. Yeah. We're just looking for a, no, 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 well, wait a minute. I, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You've been out of work for a long time and we think if you get this job, then you're going to leave right away. And that's the hardest thing was telling people or having that gap in your resume and having the UCLA video office on it helped because it didn't look like I was completely out of work. <laughs> Living in my sweats. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think, you know, and then it was coming to practice on how do you respond to the question about what happened at your last job and like why? And he said, oh, you know, it was a temporary contract and it didn't work out. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I got very good at explaining why it didn't right. work out in a, a controlled manner where it didn't upset me. Right. And so, yes, you can't cry every time no. you explain to it. It was really hard. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Yeah. It, yeah. And, and at the same time that I was working at Cypress, I had applied for a job with the city of LA. And the way the city process works is they post a job opening. That's not the job you're actually applying for. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. that one. But then it's, I had to go take a test, which was a hundred question, uh, multiple choice, principles of PR with an essay question. And it was like the SAT. You had to go to a high school with your number two pencil and you know, line up, show your ID, and do the test in a timed manner. This is for a PR job. You're not curing cancer. Right, yeah. Isn't and then, that amazing? Yeah, and then if you, whatever, if you score 70% or higher, you're asked back for a structured panel interview. And then you get graded, and wherever you grade, you get ranked. And then based where you are on the rank, you get notifications from the city when there are openings. And so I was at Cyprus, and I got an interview notice for PR at LAX. And this is funny because I went to the interview and um, they're like, oh, you worked at Long Beach State. Yes, I did. And you're ready to, you're ready to give the answer? <laughs> and they're like, oh, our secretary's husband is a coach at Long Beach State. And I'm like, oh, which one? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Luckily, it was one I got along with. <laughs> and um, uh, it was Rod Palmer. And oh. he's actually at UCLA now. Funny story. But um, so, you know, I, I interviewed there. I didn't get the job. It was between me and someone else, and they chose the other girl. Um, but the next week, I interviewed with community relations at the airport, and they hired me. And that's what started my career at the airport. Now, did you ever in your wildest <laughs> dreams when you even were sitting around to say making your decisions your sophomore and junior year of like where do I see myself and you probably were not thinking you were going to wear Bruin blue for that long right did you even know no there was that position no at an airport no I had that no was idea 20 miles away from you mm -hmm. less yeah, I didn't even know about all the opportunities within the city of L.A. or any city in general. I know when I was out of work, I would apply, even out of state I started applying, but just different jobs with public relations for a city or, you know, something along those lines. And I started learning about all of these other opportunities in which you can use your PR media background um, that aren't in sports. And I think it opened up kind of a world of, oh, okay, so there's more than sports. And I can use what I've already learned. Okay, this is interesting. And I had no idea. I had no idea when I got the job at Community Relations what I would even be doing. Do you think because sports is sexy, that's where people gravitate to? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Right? You're, yeah. you're in Tennessee. Yeah. You look up the big stadium and you go, I could do this. Yeah. I what, could do this. What's cool is I use my sports contacts in community relations. How? Because um, I, we had an annual event called the Santa Fly-In where we had Santa Fly-In on a helicopter and we had all these local kindergartners. I got the UCLA Spirit Squad to attend and be there. And I got the Bailey's, Bailey, the LA Kings mascot, to be there. And then I got, um, there was another mascot, I can't think of who it is, but I was able to use my contacts and bring them to the event, which they hadn't had in the past. And so there were definitely times where I was pulling into the past to create this Well, it changes event. the environment all of a sudden. Yeah. You've got cheerleaders cheering and an, yeah. a lion and a crown jumping yeah. around. And yeah, and then there, we, there, when the Chargers came back to LA, they had a special VIP event and our CEO was invited and they told me to staff her and I was like wait I had never been with her <laughs> alone <laughs> and they're like go staff her at this event because you know sports I'm like okay and I just remember walking her around and 
I ran into so many people I knew from my time at UCLA that they were like, Stephanie, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm at the airport. Here's our CEO. And, and she was like, how do you know everybody here? Right. And so I impressed her because everybody, we were connected. And then I actually got her a photo with Roger Goodell. And she didn't know who he was. And I was like, that's the NFL commissioner. Here you go. <laughs> See, it's funny that way. She thought she was going to be the life of the party. Yeah. And it turns yeah. out that, you know, it's like, sorry. everybody's hugging you. Yeah, I've had, it's, it's, I've had that happen. And it's very funny when it goes that way. And like yeah. the boss is thinking like, eh, yeah. what? Yeah. Oh, who are you? It was the perfect event to impress her. <laughs> <laughs> Would... Was what you were preparing for in college prepare you for your job now? I think so, because I still use the same, you know, tactics, whether it's doing outreach for a media interview or um, writing something, um, speaking to groups. That's primarily what I do is speak in public. Um, Rotary Club. Uh, Rotary Clubs. And you name it, I, right, I talk to them. You're notifying yes, the cities yes. are surrounding the airport. Yep, I'm, I'm giving updates on the airport. And so I think, you know, and graphic design, like I do a lot of our graphic design at the airport because our graphic designer left. And so I had to step in. Oh, and, so there you go. There's a graphic yeah. designer yeah. at the airport. Yeah. What did they design? Oh, um, Every, all the signage, signage, um, wayfinding. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff. See again. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee you, there's a kid right now in, in a graphic artist class that's thinking like, I want to work for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not no. changing that logo, right? There's only yeah. so much you could do. Yeah, but. we have videographer just retired. You know, we. I mean, there are all kinds of positions you within a photo the photo position. <laughs> Actually. We we don't have a photographer right now, so we do contract out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we we have these full time positions. But obviously, with COVID, um, we've right. kind of put a halt on hiring, and so we're using the the, the people, people we have. You have. Right. <laughs> so that's why I get tapped in a lot to do. I've done a lot of the signage that we have up for COVID in the airports, and so there's just a lot of you know things that I've learned through the years that come into play now. Right, you can do a little cutting on Premiere, and you can put together a media guide. I have, I have if done. If there's an intramural yeah. Yeah. La- yeah. LAX basketball tournament, I can set it up. You can I do can it. stat it. I, yeah, and you can do the stats. Exactly. Are you better at softball now, stats? Probably not. I still am not a like so, baseball softball fan. Find somebody so, else to do it. Yeah, I, I, the funny thing from softball was, I think the the pitcher had a no hitter. And I had written the headline as had no hits. And I got like lit up because I didn't say no hitter. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the story. (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me edit that. (laughs) No hitter. Got it. Whoopsies. Whoopsies. So what's happening at the airport right now? A lot. <laughs> uh, we're building. I haven't been there in, a, yeah. in over if, a year. If you haven't been there in over a year, the landscape is completely transformed because we're building a people mover train system that goes from the terminal area all the way out to near the 405 freeway. So what lot? Are, uh, are they picking a lot? Or is no, just... so the um, Manchester Square area used to be, um, there were some houses and a mm-hmm. school, um, basically aviation and La Cienega. Between that, we're building a giant rental car facility. Okay. So we're consolidating all of the rental car op- operations into this new facility that's connected to the train. The train also connects to Metro, so regional transportation connection at a major airport. How novel. Jeez. And then we're we, just getting around <laughs> right? to it. And then we have a new uh, giant parking structure, um, which is where Lot C used to be located, yes. um, which will have short and long-term parking and then connect to the people mover. And then within the terminal area, there's three um, stops as well. 
When you say people mover, is it going to be like the subway or like the people mover I remember at Disneyland? It's kind of like that. It's an elevated train system. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a rubber wheeled train. Okay. So it's very quiet. Yeah. <laughs> but we're in the midst of heavy construction right now. It's a five and a half billion dollar project. Okay. And my primary role at the airport is to communicate to the community and the stakeholders about the impacts and then explain what's going on at the airport. Right. Because you have a lot of very good close cities surrounding that airport. Yeah, El Segundo, Inglewood, Westchester. Yeah, Westchester's right there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. whoever flies over the pattern coming in, Inglewood, all that. Yeah, over the stadium and then over Mm -hmm. to our um, projects. And we're modernizing the terminals, so we're opening a new concourse, which connects to Tom Bradley in the spring. We have a new police facility. Delta's Terminal 2 and 3 is being renovated. American Airlines being renovated. What's going to happen, and this is just because my sons and I were talking about this the other day, with the uh, old restaurant in the middle? The theme building. Yes. So that's been closed for a very long Forever. time. Yeah. So right we now. We want it back. I know. It's an active construction zone. <laughs> okay. So there's no real way to get there. But the Bob Hope USO is in the ground level. Yes. What's happening so, with that? Um, so they're, they're in there. It, you know, right now there's a few COVID restrictions, but they're still operating. What happens in that building? Um, it services men and women in the armed forces and their families. So if they're um, going there before they head out for deployment, they can hang out. Um, they can get food. There's TV rooms, family rooms. And so it's really just a, a landing it. place. For I knew it. You always service. wonder what secret yeah. club was there. Yeah, and you can volunteer to um, help there as well. If, really? If you know anyone who wants to volunteer, um, they're always taking applications. To, How do you find it? Uh, I uh, it's on their website. Uh, okay. Yeah, Bob Hope USO, um, the LAX one. But they're always looking for volunteers. That's nice. But um, the theme building, obviously. Um, can't open right now, um, but it's also not really up to code, and that's why it's closed <laughs> as well. Um, when the train opens, we have a station that has an overlook, a kind of a viewing platform okay. of it. Um, the train itself goes around the building, so it's a really cool bird's eye view of it. And then once the train is complete in 2023, um, they're going to revisit bringing it back to life in some way. Okay. And um, we had, I guess now it's two years ago, um, did a request for information to solicit ideas on what could go there, whether it's a restaurant, a small kind of store, a meeting space, we don't know. But we hope that once the train's open, we'll re-revolutionize it and bring it back to life. Did you ever think, like, (laughs) even when you took the job, what goes into, uh, you know, being the communications no. of, a, of an airport? No, no. And, and it's funny because when I started working in community relations, obviously it was more engagement with the community. Um, and it's funny because the PR director at that time, who I had interviewed with, <laughs> was like, hey, we have an opening. Do you want to come over? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I'm happy where I am. But after a couple of years there, I kind of was, I was on two promotional lists with the city. And so I kind of felt like I'd done all I could in community relations and I wanted more opportunity. Again, back to like the competitive driven nature of myself. What else can I do? What's next? And so I had talked to my, my director at the time about what other opportunities there were. And he's like, well, actually, we have this new division we're starting to oversee communications for this modernization project because it's so massive. We're going to move you over to work with it. What? <laughs> because, <laughs> um, A, I don't know anything about construction. Uh, B, 
What? Like when? Right now. Oh, okay. So if I hadn't set this meeting, when were we going to talk about this? It was just, it was fate. Like you set the meeting up here we go. And I met my new boss that day and started working. And, um, it was like, my head was spinning because all these new terms and all like, what are we do? Procurement and all these things. And I just started talking to people and I started listening, asking questions and really putting this base in to understand all of the different components and how we were building it. Did you embrace the challenge? I did, totally. And I always wanted more. I'm like, what else? Okay, what else can I do? And, you know, the, my boss at the time was great because he's like, I want you to go out and, like, I'm going to let you go out and speak to groups about it. I'm like, but I don't really understand the project yet. It's okay. Like, I'll be with you. And so he was really great about bringing me along and giving me the opportunity to kind of fly with my own wings and, and try it out. And then um, he ended up leaving and I ended up assuming the director role, um, which was awesome for me. And just the fact that I went from, you know, being a, a PR specialist to then principal PR and then a director in the course of about three years was just really exciting for me and kind of um, retribution. Uh, <laughs> like suckers. Suck I know it. what I'm doing. <laughs> I know it. But it I was, got your six months right It was right great. Here. Like I, I really, every day I go to work and it's something new and I get to see the progress and be a part of a, of a project that is so transformative, not only for the airport, but for the region as a whole. Oh yes. And, and like I, that airport has needed it yeah. for so long. I remember early on in this position, I was in, I was actually in Belgium and I was on vacation. Oh, to be back on vacation. Larry <laughs> drove past a Bombardier factory. Um, Bombardier is building our train cars. And I got so excited. And I was like, Bombardier, <laughs> our project. And now I find myself looking at cranes as I'm driving down the freeway. Here, I saw some cranes. And I'm like, oh, OK, they're putting the seventh crane in, a tower crane at our rental car site this week. And like, I'm so excited because we're going to have this really cool photo to highlight on social media. And it's like, oh, I used to remember stats about how many touchdowns someone has or what's their furthest PR. And now I'm remembering stats on you know, how much concrete is poured. And it's like, how different is this? But I love it. <laughs> I can't believe you get excited about the seventh crane. It really is. It's cool, though. Can you imagine? Like, picture seven tire cranes on top of a construction site. It's something you don't really see every day. No, you don't. Yeah. When you first looked at, like, the master plan, did you think, like, how in the hell is this going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a massive... yeah, and that's why they created a whole division to oversee it because just the it's two and a quarter miles of project. Um, in in a very dense area. Yeah. We're not yeah. talking Barstow nowhere. No, no. I mean, you have the entire terminal area under construction, and then you have the guideway that goes down 96th Street, crosses Century, crosses Sepulveda, crosses Aviation, and then hits the rental car facilities. And there's so many different elements to it and so many stakeholders in the area and so many people who will benefit from it. It's just massive. As as bad and just flat-out shitty as COVID's been, yes. has it been slightly helpful for, the, it has. for it to be a little slower 
Definitely. For you guys? Definitely. Yeah. You know, the one thing we've seen is um, the Terminal 2 and 3 renovation, especially, they are accelerating their schedule by 18 months. We closed Terminal 3. 18 months for for a city to do anything is amazing. Yeah. We closed Terminal 3 to the public early in the pandemic, and that's allowed that project. Who's in that terminal? Uh, Delta. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's a major flyer. Major flyer. Yeah. So they're just operating out of Terminal 2, but because the, you know, the flight numbers aren't what they used to be. Sure. um, It doesn't kill them. We were able to do it, and and they're already putting the exterior facade on that building. And instead of opening in 2024, we're now looking at 2023. So that has accelerated. We're also able to close roadways for longer periods of time, 24 hours at a time, and do the work safely and without putting anyone in danger um, and really facilitate that construction. And that's 24 hours a day? Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Yeah, so there are certain roadways in the terminal area um, that we, we close 24 hours to allow that construction to go on. Right. So with the with the project being accelerated by 18 months, does that get into other parts of the project quicker or can they just Yeah, not? it does. It does. You know, the, the Terminal 2-3 project is the one that's really been accelerated, but the rest of them are, are still moving along. You know, COVID really didn't hinder the construction and because it's an essential operation, we were able to continue on. Um, and we're just finding ways to um, do things that might have been more difficult in the past. Like we've taken down a couple pedestrian bridges and it hasn't impacted the traveling public because Sadly, no one's right. traveling, which is good because we right. need people to. If there's stay a home. silver lining, this is yeah. one of it. Yeah. It speeds up the process. Yeah, exactly. Because there's dates you guys have to hit. You mm-hmm. don't want to be behind. Right, exactly. What's the most exciting part of watching this project? Just seeing it come to life. I mean, I, for me, I get to go out and visit the construction sites. And so um, I usually go once a month um, to the sites. Um, I was just out on the, on top of the train guideway next to our new parking structure um, last week, earlier this week. And despite the fact that it was so windy, we almost were blown off of it. Oh, that's always fun. We were able to walk on the finished concrete guideway. So basically walking about probably half a mile of the actual finished train guideway and just to walk up there and see like what the view will be like for people and to see you know just a couple of months ago it was essentially just false work where they pour the concrete in mm-hmm. and but now we're able to walk on it it's completed it's i mean it's just to see it come to life is just amazing because we we've been working on this project we broke ground in 2019 and now we're in heavy construction and just really seeing the progress and like it, it's coming. It's, it's very exciting to see it coming to life. If I had a dollar for every woman that told me she was excited to walk on concrete, <laughs> I would have so much money. I know. I know. I geek out about it now. It's the weirdest thing. And like my dad jokes all the time. And you said it like, did you ever think you'd be talking about cranes? No, I definitely did not. Like there's, I definitely don't, but I always want to know more about what we're doing so I can explain it to the public. Do you have like re- uh, red wing boots that you put on when you're walking I around? I have construction boots. Yeah. I do have I construction boots. I bet you'd, never you'd have a pair of those. I just in your got closet. a new pair. <laughs> I've got my hard hat, my goggles, my safety vest, my gloves, all in my car. It's such a hot look. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. <laughs> it's like nothing like a, yeah. a hard hat. And a I hard have hat to say, and a neon vest. I have really. to say, like, I have to give it to all of the laborers who are out there who have to wear a face covering and the goggles because, like, they just fog up. 
Right. Obviously, everyone knows if you wear glasses or sunglasses with your face covering. But, but they're working. But they're working, and they, they're doing it, and it's just amazing. So kudos to them, because just walking is difficult. Right, and if they're working 24 hours a day, they're out there when it's been cold. Yeah, yeah. And they're right there on the beach. Yeah. Yeah, and you know there there are definitely some very cool nights. I've I've been out there for some concrete pours in the early morning hours, where it's like it's really cold out here. Have you gotten? How's the city, the surrounding cities, responding to this kind of project? They're like, it's about time. I'm sure you get a lot of that. Yeah, and and you know, a lot of them live near the airport so they can kind of see it but mm-hmm. it's when we give updates to people who aren't near the airport and see the progress everyone's really excited glad it's finally happening and can't wait for it to open and just um, now that they see it, it it gets more exciting for them my dad worked in the aviation business for his whole life and in the early 80s they said he said they should have moved it out towards Palmdale a bazillion years ago yeah. get it out of where it was because it can never grow yeah, we're was, very constrained. Yes, between the cities, the runways can't be expanded. Mm-hmm. You got uh, the 105 was built in the 90s, and you're just you're just socked in. Yeah, yeah, and we're making the best of, right, of, of the your space. space yeah, right? it's yeah. a dorm room. You can only do so much. <laughs> yes, yeah. we're very good at fix, fitting the puzzle right. pieces into right. what we have. We got a Murphy bed now. Yeah. We got a smaller desk, and <laughs> exactly. it's over. Yeah. Exactly. Mini fridge. Yeah, yeah, we did own land out in Palmdale, and uh, but. Who really wants to go to Palmdale? Well, that, they said the same thing. I and know. Where do they move Denver Airport? Out. Out. <laughs> yes. Because they were in the same position. Mm-hmm. They were stuck in the city, and they finally said, we got it. we got right. to move out. And they're connected to a people mover. Yeah. That's how it works. Because mm-hmm. where it's jammed in, it's yeah. just it's a pain. Yeah. So now that you're several years into this career, it's evolved now you touched on it social media is now part mm-hmm. of your job where you're excited to geek out and put you know <laughs> crane photos on you know yep. instagram where a lot of women say that on a daily basis <laughs> how much now is social media a part of your job it's huge it's huge um does that deliver the message yeah i oversee our construction content and um it's funny because our PR director, me and him kind of battle all the time because, you know, he'll post a pretty plain photo and I'll post a time lapse of an escalator being installed in our parking structure. Now, are you guys on the same platform? Yes. Like, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We coordinate everything. Okay. And, um, you don't overlap two minutes no, later and no, post your no. escalator photo. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, my construction post might get more likes. And he gets very angry. And I'm ah. like, I told you, people want to see this stuff. And it's funny because people don't realize that they do really want to see what's happening at the airport, whether it's the plane taking off or it's they the do. construction. It's and still so, magical. Yeah, so I'm always thinking about, okay, what is something cool we can highlight? And so I did a time lapse of an escalator being lifted by a crane and then installed into our parking structure. Did you shoot it? I did on my iPhone. I did. Um, I was quite proud of it. And it ended up getting like a ton of likes and it was a super engaging post. And um, I'm always looking, we have construction cameras and so I can pull time lapse and I can pull images at sunset and everything. Right. And so we're always People using those. People love that mm-hmm. stuff. They well, love the, the time lapse. Th- the yes. time lapse is huge. Yes. 
And, um, you know, the, the video editing, the basics that I know, um, and I always, I have um, my go-to who used to work at UCLA in video that I can call and say like, okay, I need to do this. What's the trick? And he'll tell me, and then I can fix my video. <laughs> and so like, I love that. I can rely on so many people, but is social media for us getting the message out because people aren't traveling so much at the airport. Right. We, we're big on it. And we're one of the most engaging airports on social media. Um, and our, our Instagram following is huge. And so not only construction content, but just airport content in general, like we're very focused on curating a message and um, interesting content. So people want to keep coming back and following us. How often do you guys post on Instagram? Every day. Really? Pretty much every day. Two, three times a day? Yeah. Just... Right now we're doing an aerial video series. Um, we had a, a videographer shoot uh, aerial of the entire airport. Um, so we're, we're doing a little series um, wow. to, on social to highlight just from above what it looks right. like. Yeah. No, because airports from above are, are very interesting. It's like this elaborate pantheon of like roads and yeah. runways and like blinds and it's yeah, just especially like, with their with our train system and all the construction you can really see it from above and so you know we we do the covid messaging we do like what to do at the airport but we also highlight a lot going on and so for us social media is very prevalent and we went back on this email like so you still work on your craft i mean if you're still picking up a little video here and yeah. time lapses which i'm sure you weren't thinking of <laughs> when you're sitting in your pr class like this time lapse you talk of what is this yeah yeah so you're and still pushing the envelope a little still bit still doing it and still learning you know i often do online classes you know canva is a new program that we've started to use a lot what is that canva is it's kind of like an all-in-one um simplified Photoshop, essentially, okay. where you can create flyers, social media, PowerPoints. And okay. so we've, we've started using it to oh, create the old some PowerPoint, which I am the queen of PowerPoint now. I will In those say, meetings, you I, sit there I, oh and my just God. put people to sleep? I, well, in creating them. That's mine. Don't put people to sleep. Mine have pretty pictures of construction. You say that. They, yes, they love it. Yeah. They love it. But <sighs> I, 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 I will say that I never in my life used PowerPoint more than when I came into this position um, working on the project because we had to do it for our presentations. Right. And then the executive presentations, and then just other random presentations. So I do PowerPoint all the time, and um, the, the Canvas system helps create better visuals. Um, so it's a little simplified. If you don't want to learn Photoshop, it kind of has the the elements to make it like drag and drop, so you don't mm -hmm. have to do all the work. So I use that. I use a bunch of different things um, to just try to create new things, but it's. It's learning, like I'm learning what people want to see. And so knowing time-lapse is something that's big. Okay, so what can we do on a time-lapse? And I did one video where I was walking under center way in the airport, under the, the false work for the train guideway. And everyone thought I was in a car driving, but it was just me walking, trying to hold it as still as possible. Um, and it was so cool because that's what it's gonna be like driving under the guideway. Right. And so people really liked that. And I'm like, they okay. love that stuff. So I'm always trying to think, what can we do? How can I do it to make it engaging? And whether it's watching a tutorial to learn how to do something on Premiere or anything like that, like I'm always trying to figure it out. You want to stay ahead of the curve, yeah. or at least near the curve. Yeah, yeah, and and I've become known for the construction content, and so I'm always trying, like, <laughs> what can I do now? Like, God, the pressure. How can I highlight a crane in a different way? <laughs> like, I just have to think about what else is interesting, but it's... I'll, I'll, I'll give you a list of things and perfect. when we're done. Perfect, Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, it's it's never ending. It's all really your imagination and safety. Mm -hmm. After mm -hmm. that, it's yeah. free for all. Yeah. 
Are, could, I mean, can you see where this project is going to end and then be like, okay, now what? Yeah, so it's, it's exciting for me because um, while this is going on, we have other new projects coming down the line, and I'm going to continue to be involved in overseeing communications for those. So while you know, we're in heavy construction right now on the, on the land side projects, uh, we have some air side projects coming up. We have a new uh, the north side development. Our, we just released our RFP, so hopefully next year we'll move forward with that. So there's a lot of new projects coming that I'm going to stay on top of and do the communications for. That just never ends. No, it never ends. Yeah, at least at least through 2028, we have projects lined up uh, in preparation for the Olympics. And my, you know, we're going to have a huge role in the Olympic Games, obviously, with athlete arrivals. And do you think we're having it in 28? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Unless there's a new pandemic. But Did you hear that Miami told Japan? Yeah, yeah. That hey, we'll we'll bail you out if. Uh, don't think that will happen. I don't think so either. But I, what do you think the chances are the Olympics are in? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I mean, I really hope it does for all the athletes and the people working on the games. But, I mean, we're still in the thick of it. It's February, essentially. So, I don't know. I I hope it happens and if it's scaled down, but the athletes can still compete like we're doing now in the U.S. I would hope for that, just for everybody who's prepared for it. So, if you put on your old Mm -hmm. athlete hat Mm -hmm. and your new PR hat, like, how would that make you feel, like, knowing you've trained? Like, you know that athlete window. Yeah. Let's say you're, you were at 32 last year mm-hmm. as an athlete, a shot putter, mm-hmm. and now like they push it to 33, and you're like, I'm married. We were thinking about having yeah. kids. Like, there's always these weird windows, especially for the female. Mm-hmm. Now they're saying, Well, what if? What what do we know? What do we do? Yeah, I mean, it just you how go, do you stay? How do you keep that fire lit? Yeah, you, you go back to like the 1980 Olympics when they were boycotted, yes. and like all those pe- poor people who then either had to wait four years or never had the opportunity. Yeah, Mary Decker got completely yeah. screwed because yeah. technically, she was on the edge of her prime in '84. Yeah, that's why I really hope it can happen this year. It's simply for that fact because it's you you don't know injuries are an unknown and just training for a whole another year. Um, and, and yeah, especially because the Olympics athletes are so tied to Olympic sports. Mm-hmm. There's not basketball. Like LeBron's still going to play. Yeah. Baseball players still have, you know. The funding is a lot different. Right. Mm-hmm. Who, who's coming out to the rower and the equestrian and, you know, yeah. all the other goofy little sports that have been added on? Yeah. And then obviously there are some sports that aren't as hard on your body. You know, a shot putter, you'll see older shot putters. You'll see older, you know, some sports, the older you get, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, It is hard to continue to train and fund your training, especially as an Olympic level, like Olympic sports, not the major sports. But, you know, I... I would hope it would happen um, if it's scaled down and there's less crowds. Whatever they can do to have these Olympic Games safely, I, that's what I hope for. That's what I said. I mentioned on the woman's side because there's always that mm-hmm. window of like, we're not going to have children when we get married. Yeah. I remember when, um, when, when Misty was talking about that and there's those great Olympic teams and they, they get broken up because, oh, I'm, I'm having a baby. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you're out for nine months then. Yeah. Can't play beach volleyball seven months pregnant. <laughs> no, you can't. It's kind of cuts down on the digging. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What advice would you give to anybody looking at the career you're in right now? That that 18 year old Stephanie, who's taking her first course at Long Beach State. I mean, I think if 
you go into it with an idea of what you're going to do, and some people stick with what they're going to do. Sure. But I think if you start to kind of go in not knowing, just kind of look around and try an internship somewhere. Just see what interests you. Like for me, I had you know three or four different internships in college, and it kind of helped guide me to where I wanted to go. But I was always um, open to new opportunities, and so I think the one thing is don't get so set on I have to work. For example, in sports. Um, there's a big world outside of sports, and you can still be involved in sports, but not have the day-to-day. -day. Like, I still do stats at UCLA. Uh, do not, you really? Not this year because of COVID, <laughs> but um, yeah, up until last March, before COVID hit, I was still doing stats. And so it's my way to stay connected to sports and the people I used to work with. But I don't have that responsibility of game notes and all of that stuff. I right. can leave when the game's over. Done. I don't have to work anymore. So I think, you know, trying internships is always the best way and really like talking to people. I mean, I probably never would have found this career if I hadn't stumbled upon it. But now that I know it's there, I think, it, you know, you can use your skill sets in so many different fields and it's looking at different entities and seeing what is available. How important is it to have as many broad skills in that, you know, well, a lot of tools in that toolbox? Yeah. It's, it's a very important. Talk in front of a TV yeah. camera, yeah. Or do radio, yep. whether it's a podcast, write, um, know your social media and stay up. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, I was lucky because I had a background in graphic design randomly. Like I learned it as I went and I've always used those tools in every position I've been in, you know, from the, from UCLA to the PR firm to LAX now, like I use graphic design, I use video editing. And even if you know the basics, you can get by and you can always teach yourself. But for me, you know, there are things I'm called upon to do because no one else has that skill set. And so having something that maybe someone else doesn't have is a very big benefit because then you can be relied upon to do something that no one else can do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's important. I, it's amazing how many people pigeonhole themselves because they say they don't find an interest in it, but they have no idea 12 years later, 15 years later, yeah. you're going to have to talk in front of a microphone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, media training is a huge one. I know when I was applying for jobs, they would ask about your media experience and provide clips if you had it. And so making sure you have the capability to do a live interview, do a recorded interview, right. like you there are a your, lot of different things. You were just live on TV. <laughs> I was, I was, um, yeah, we, we do holiday messaging at the airport and so I was on TV for that and I got thrown into a live TV interview a couple years ago after a power outage at the airport. I had had media training before but I had never done a live interview. How'd you do? I th I did Have you good. graded yourself on a scale I, of one to ten? I would I would say probably an eight and a half, nine. I, I did pretty well because I was briefed right before I went on camera, and you know I kind of knew what was going on, and you know you don't know what questions they're going to ask, right. and that's you the hardest know. thing. And you also need to know when not to say something. And yeah, so, sometimes that's know, even better. Yeah, I'm going to get back to you. Let on me that. get back to you. Yeah, and not knowing the answer is not a bad thing. Right. And there's nothing wrong with saying that because you'd rather at not, this time mm -hmm. we are not sure of the situation. Get back to yeah. you. Yeah, that, that's one thing that I've always learned is if you don't know the answer, don't, don't give sit, one. Don't give one because you, the last thing you want to do, especially as a spokesperson, is give the wrong information. And so if you truly don't know the answer, they're not going to judge you for it. Just say you don't know and we'll get back to you. <laughs> it's not a big thing. Right. There'll be another stand up in about an hour. Yeah, exactly. They can bring you back. Yeah, yeah. If so, what would uh, what would you have done better? 
On the interview? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Oh. On the TV spot. Um, yeah. Probably. I, you, hit, you hit your message, right? I you hit my message. I think I said I gave um, one incorrect statement, but that's because I was, I just had so much in my head, but no one would have known yeah, you're it. Yeah. You're trying to regurgitate yeah. it all yeah. out. Yeah. I think, I mean, for the most part, I think it went well. You, you can't prepare for a live interview. They didn't say to you, okay, we're going to ask you uh, A, B, and C. Uh, no, no, they're gonna, we want an update on what's going on. Okay, and then, so it was a long, it was like a four-minute stand-up. Like a, That's long. It's a long hit, and so it was like, there. yeah, what's going on here? Okay, and what can you tell us about this, and, and what caused this? And so, like, I, you know, I Power luckily, I have a good memory. <laughs> like, I will say from my days of being an exercise science major where I had to memorize body parts, and, like, I have a good memory. And I think that's what's helped me in my current position is that there's a lot of stats and construction Sitting stuff up there in, that head. in my head. And so I, I, I absorb the information really well and I'm able to say it back. And so I think for me, like just constantly knowing what's going on and, and being aware of, of what is going on at the airport or what is going on wherever you are is really important because if you can speak to it, then you sound better and um, you sound knowledgeable and people will want to come back to you and get answers. That's, that's exactly what you need. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's the most important question. Mm -hmm. If you can give me the farthest distance, if you can throw the shot put, the <laughs> discus or the hammer and give me your best throw right now, which one would you Hammer, 193.5. And you think you can get close? Oh, I could I throw it? No, that was my PR. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd be lucky if I broke 60 feet <laughs> on a hammer throw. Shot put, I think shot put would be the easier one to pick up and throw because it's it's a simpler motion. Um, I would get closer to my shot put PR, probably. Okay, that's shot or discus, definitely not hammer. Yeah. Too rusty. Too, <laughs> Too rusty. There's not enough cage to no. protect people. Not at all. Me. Not at all, yeah. It, it probably bounced back and hit me. <laughs> you don't need that. <laughs> no. If someone would have told me oh, uh, when this cross country, or not cross country, this track girl, 18 years old, sat in front for her, her mug shot at Long Beach State, that she'd be like running the communications department at LAX. I'd be like, you mean Long Beach? LAX has a communications department? I would have thought, no way in hell. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm so happy for Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Yeah, I'm so glad we got to get together and talk and you got to drop some knowledge on on finding a job. I guess I guarantee you nine out of ten people don't know even exists. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, the, the one thing I also learned from my time at Long Beach State was um, it was a great financial position for me. It was probably the most I ever made at that time. Mm -hmm. And part of me saw the dollar signs. And I think um, one thing I learned is don't chase the money. You want to work where you're happy and you're oh, challenged. Yeah. And for me, um, I'm doing well. The city has great benefits, but um, the money is not what it's about. For me, it's the experience and it's that I, I love what I do. I love the people I work with. I'm challenged every day. And for me, that's the more important thing. Um, I know a lot of people ask me if I would leave and go work for you know a corporate firm or anything like that with my experience now. If they offered way more money, I'm like, I don't think I would because I really am enjoying what I'm doing and I'm challenged every day and I know that I'm making an impact and the money is not why I'm doing this. And I think that for some people, especially millennials, chasing the dollar signs is not the best situation. 
it's finding your place and excelling where you're at and, and not trying to find the next best thing because you never know what's going to happen where you are. And for me, that was the opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity that I got. And um, I'm loving it. So I think that's another important message. Absolutely. Because there's not enough money that can fill that miserable void. Yeah. Like you just, oh, I mean, can you imagine have stayed at Long Beach State for another five more years under that kind of just toxic life experience no that's why it was the best thing that happened (laughs) worst thing and best thing that happened yeah you you know nobody nobody needs that no yeah well I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day and missing breakfast with dad (laughs) he'll survive (laughs) he'll be okay you'll go see him now and get him his lunch probably yeah yeah take care of the cat yeah be on your day. Yep, exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's do this again when the airport's done. For sure. Yeah. Get me in. We'll do a walking tour podcast. Love it. Okay. <laughs> Love it. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe.